This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 66th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Cameron, I'm going to cut right to the chase today. Um, I'd like to give you an illustration to describe how I'm feeling today. So I'd like you to picture my brain as a city, and within that city are neighborhoods, subdivisions and um, in my life are our hobbies interests things I like to do with my spare time some of those things might be music uh, friends and family some of those things uh, certain hobbies all, all those things going great um, those neighborhoods I might think of them maybe putting up the, the Christmas tree maybe stoking the fire maybe a little Disney plus and chill all things are good and then I I want to uh, tell you about my Mizzou interests and, and hobbies. Um, and that neighborhood is on fire. Everything is burning. Everything is on fire, and I don't even know how, but everything is. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's literally hell. And all of the neighborhoods are, are looking at my Mizzou neighborhood within my brain, and they, they want nothing to do with it. They're scared of it. They're, they're horrified, embarrassed. Um... And that, that is, that's kind of a, a way to sum up how I feel today. Well, I was picturing that and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be picturing it. Yeah. You didn't want to be there. It's, it's a no. deep, dark hole, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad it's not actually, I'm glad that that doesn't exist in real right. life. I'm glad that's just an illustration and, yes. and not at all accurate, but man, that's a dark place. Yeah. How are you, Cameron? <laughs> I'm doing well. <laughs> Um, I'm excited to talk about our first ever coaching search on this podcast, but, uh, and we've got some other news and all the usual stuff that we talk about. But before we do any of that, we need to let everybody know support for the Missouri sports podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels, Kyle. Guys, it's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. This revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag below the belt. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The lawnmower 2.0 comes inside their Perfect Package 2.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting it on the smelliest part of your body? And all these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help you set the mood, if you know what I mean. Uh, no, I, I don't. Well, use your imagination. The perfect package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that will keep you feeling fresh all day. It is time to upgrade over those old pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing 
boxer briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That is 20% off free ship and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BIGHEADS. Make Santa proud this year. Coaching search. Coaching search. It's here. It's upon us. So I got some news, though. Um, in case you didn't know, Barry Odom was fired. That's kind of big news. Um, but it feels like it happened a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brick Haley was named interim head coach. And he's a defensive line coach. Producer Cameron? Never mind. I don't know why I was... He seemed puzzled. Well, because I was like, oh, they don't have any games left. But Yeah, I'll tell you why. He is on the recruiting trail. He had an in-home visit with Mantra Edwards. Who Who's not even, a, not even a current commit. Well. Could be. Yeah. He's still making those visits. Though. I feel like they should really be focused on, on the, uh, the current commits because those guys are yeah dropping like flies at the moment yeah so speaking of that jalen st john and robert wooten have already decommitted and then several other players um elijah young and kevon billingsley two of those have reopened their commitment uh but mizzou is still at the top i've seen a few recruits say they are not decommitting but they're reopening their commitment yeah or they'll say I'm reopening my commitment, but I'm still committed to Mizzou. And that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's uh, kind of weird. And But I feel like that's kind of how it always is, just with without saying it openly, which yeah. is what a commitment is, is you're always like probably looking for that ne- the, a potentially better opportunity, but, this, well, I, but yeah. you're happy to, to go here. And I think what they're meaning is, like some of them have said it a little bit better, I think, just mm-hmm. more clearly saying, you know, we'll see what happens with the new coach. I still like Mizzou, but I got to consider all sure. options at this point until yeah. we see what happens. And right. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, I can't mean, you want to see, yeah, you want, you want to see who the new coach is and, but you also want to potentially look, look around if there's other opportunities out there. So, and we know that the way college sports works, you are committing to a coach more than you're committing to a school most of the time. So, um, that's where the relationship is. So depending on who, was the main recruiter for these guys. Obviously they all had a connection with Barry Odom. They're all going to be sad to see him go, but two different degrees and hopefully the new coach and the assistants can keep them on board, but we'll just have to wait and see on a lot of those guys. Um, is there anybody in particular that you think maybe, uh, Mizzou does not have a shot at retaining, or do you feel like the new coach could keep any of them? Uh, I think Robert Wooten is probably a guy that's gone. I don't have any concrete information on that whatsoever, but definitely felt like he very quickly was like, I'm out of here and has been looking around. Jalen St. John's, he's a guy that's still in state. I think he's a guy that'll probably still end up at Missouri, and hopefully these other guys do too. I I would love to have Elijah Young end up at Missouri. I think he's one of my favorite recruits in the class. He's just a super dynamic player, and I definitely don't want to see him go to Tennessee because he lives in Tennessee. So... I don't know. Uh, whoever is coming in here, um, hopefully they can get them in quick because they've got some work to do um, recruiting back some of these guys that are on the commitment list. Uh, jumping back in time a little bit to the Arkansas game, obviously we saw Connor Bazelight go down with an injury. It has been confirmed that he tore his ACL in that game, so that's pretty big news. Uh, really unfortunate for him, and 
will probably impact the quarterback competition for next year yeah that's a bummer for sure it's just for one it was making the game enjoyable to watch against arkansas because he was playing pretty well and it was given you know a little bit of hope for the future but yeah that was definitely a um a weird kind of a freak play where he probably just should have run out of bounds or whatever the case was or slid or something but he kind of didn't neither and fell down awkwardly and got fell on and um so yeah that's that's a big bummer because he's gonna probably miss the whole off season of of weights and all that stuff he's gonna just be rehabbing and um yeah i definitely think it's gonna have an impact on the on the qb competition and with a new coach coming in you never know who exactly is going to be involved in that quarterback conversation? He, he might bring a, a recruit with him or something like that. or What kind of offense he wants to run. Right. So it's, we're looking at a lot of offensive-minded coaches. Definitely. It's like 100% up in the air right now who's going to be playing quarterback next year. But it did sound like uh, Bazelak said, kind of confirmed on Twitter that he would be back um, next year. So, yeah. Which is who, I mean, at this point, who knows who's going to be back because yeah. they're, especially with the scholarship reductions from the NCAA. Uh, there's going to be some guys transfer out. We just don't know who and when yet. Well, three guys that we know will not be back next year are Jordan Elliott, Alberto Cuebanam, and Tristan Colon Castillo. They have all decided to forego their last season of eligibility and enter the NFL draft. Two of those were not a surprise, I think, especially with the coaching change. Anybody could have predicted that. Um, the other one, a little bit more of a surprise. Yeah, I think Elliot and Alberto were, were probably going to be gone no matter what, even if Barry Odom was back next year. Uh, Jordan Elliott, pretty much like everybody knew, he was pretty under the radar coming into the season, had a fantastic year, and he's going to probably be a first or second round pick in the draft. He was if, rated as the number one uh, interior defensive lineman by... Uh, Pro Football Focus yes. or something, whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah, well, yeah which is very reputable uh, organization, so... And I think NFL scouts absolutely use those rankings and, and ratings. So, yeah, he if everything goes well for him this offseason, I think he could definitely be a, a first or second round pick in the draft. And then Albert O kind of had a weird season. Um, obviously, we know he's ultra talented. Uh, he's probably just in pure talent and upside, probably the number one tight end in the country. But as far as just actual, like, accountability and production and being able to count on him in, in tough spots you know some of those nuances like i don't feel as comfortable about and so we'll see how much the uh the scouts read into that kind of stuff but if they're just going purely on upside and 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 talent then he could definitely be a first or second round pick yeah i mean he still had six touchdown catches this year which is uh obviously well short of what i predicted him to do at the beginning of the season but uh that's still a good season for a tight end and i think he if he is able to go through the combine process, I think he'll impress a lot of people with his athleticism. And we know he's really good at catching passes when he's not guarded. And that's <laughs> what the combine is. So uh, I think he'll shine in that situation and probably move up some people's draft boards. And I think a lot of NFL coaches will look at how he was used at Missouri and just kind of almost laugh at it and say, we can utilize this guy so much better than they ever did. Oh, yeah. Whether that's true or not. Um, they'll definitely want to give it a try. Yep. Um, any other news that we need to talk about? Um, I do want to mention we talked about the pro football focus uh, grades. Another player that was number one in the nation was Nick Bolton. Yeah, he just had an absolutely fantastic season, which is crazy um, considering it's really his first year of playing. Like yeah. He played a little bit on special teams and played a little bit of reserve linebacker 
last year and didn't look all that wonderful in some of the uh, a little bit of the time that he had last year. So he just completely burst onto the scene this year. And from the very get-go of the season, he looked amazing. It's possible that Kale Garrett would have been top five as well. I mean, he was on the, like, the weekly grades that they were putting out. Yeah, Kale Garrett was probably was having a better year than Nick Bolton was through the yeah. first five weeks or whatever it was. So. Missouri, for the first part of the season, had two potentially top five in the nation linebackers. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Which is kind of crazy considering where this defense was you know in the past couple of years so that yeah. the, the defense was a lot better this year for sure and had some some stars in the making definitely well i guess they're probably already stars nick bolton is yeah everybody knows his name now right and uh kale garrett another guy that's going to be looking to get drafted in the uh upcoming nfl draft we'll see how that goes yeah and tristan uh colon castillo i i don't really know what to expect as far as his draft prospects um, I don't know if he just kind of wanted out because Barry Odom was, was gone. I don't really know what the case on him was. I, I, he kind of left Mizzou on a kind of a weird note cause he was interviewed after the, probably the Arkansas game. And I don't know, just kind of said some questionable things about the lack of fan support and stuff. And I just, I don't know. You can't blame us for your, your lack of success on the field. And yeah. And his, his kind of take on his read on the whole situation was not backed up by the empirical evidence. I mean, the home games this season were pretty well attended and yeah, better than probably any of the other years he's been at Mizzou. Yeah. So, I mean, even, even the Florida game was fairly well attended and yeah, I don't know. I think Ole Miss was number one, and that Florida game this year was number two as far as highest attended games in the Odom era. Yeah. So, obviously, he seems to be referring more to the... Twitter, probably. Yeah, Twitter and internet uh, culture surrounding the team. and But that didn't start happening until... I mean, that probably came up, obviously, after the Wyoming game, but it wasn't until the midway... Well, I would say after the Vanderbilt game. Don't lose to Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Yeah. Don't get blown out by those teams, and we yeah. probably won't say anything. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, just like win two of Wyoming, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee. Yeah. Win two of those four games, three of those you were a uh, double-digit favorite. And, yeah, and you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I mean, there's always going to be people on Twitter, but come on. All right, Kyle. Uh it feels like a year ago that we last recorded an episode. So in that year, uh, Missouri played Arkansas and beat them. Not a ton to talk about in that game. Um, Arkansas was really bad. They fired their coach before the game uh, a few weeks earlier. And Mizzou did what they were supposed to do and won. Uh, the offense still didn't look great, um, but neither did Arkansas. And... Uh, it didn't matter. Barry Odom was fired. What we've talked about, obviously the losses as a double digit favorite, the five game losing streak. What do you think? Is there anything else that went into the decision of him being fired? Yeah, it's, I, and we, we've heard some, or read, I guess, some different rumors on the internet in the last few days, kind of about some uh, not a great relationship between Barry Odom and, D and Jim Sterk potentially. And I don't know how long that's been going on and I don't really know what caused that. Um, but it seems like, like a relationship that wasn't that great kind of got worse and spiraled out of control as the season continued to get worse. 
And I don't know if that has anything to do with the on-field play, but it definitely sounds like Jim Sterk, Barry Odom, didn't have a great relationship. And on top of that, um, one thing I think that even myself, but a lot of people probably don't think about much, is uh, the agents that represent college uh, coaches in, in really all sports, but definitely football. And Barry Odom is represented by a guy named Jimmy Sexton, who represents a massive portion of college coaches in the country. And like, I'd be willing to say, I mean, 40 to 50% of college coaches, or at least in like the power five realm, it's, it's crazy how many people this guy represents. And so Barry Odom is represented by Jimmy Sexton and apparently Jimmy Sexton and Jim Sterk have a terrible relationship. And I think that, you know, some of the things we've read, it just sounds like the, just all of these things kind of coming together and mounting just over time. I think Jim Sterk was just ready to be done with uh with this and um I, i'm not sure that if he would have beat tennessee and arkansas both that he'd still be here i i really don't know but it's very possible that if he would have won both those games he would still be here i don't know but yeah if, surely they're not firing him after a seven win season right right we uh i don't know it it's crazy to me um how i don't know i i don't i i just didn't feel like this was as easy a decision as you know as other firings have been in the past you know when, when i found out barry odom had been fired it wasn't that kind of feeling of relief that i felt when kim anderson was fired or you know some of the other you know coaches in the uh in the recent history um it was kind of like man like i'm gonna miss this guy yeah and like i i really genuinely want the best for him and i'm not sure he deserved this and we don't know any of the background stuff but it did not feel good to me. Like maybe other fighting that, that sounds terrible to say right. that I've, someone getting fired felt good. No, but I but. totally get what you're saying that you said it perfectly with relief. Like everybody was relieved when Kim Anderson got fired, even though he was a good guy. I think my main feeling when I got, when I read the news was just disappointment in the whole situation, just disappointment in the season. And then by extension, the Barry Odom era and disappointed that it couldn't work out. And I think there's an argument to be made that we don't know uh, if it could have worked out or not, that he needed a little bit more time. And that's, that can always be argued, I think, in any coaching change, unless you presided over three years of the worst uh, basketball in the history of the program. But, um, I just think I would have been fine with him having another year, but I understand the desire to move on and it doesn't help that uh, a different athletic director hired him. I mean, if this was Jim Sterk's guy, if he was tied to him a little bit more like Sterk is with Conzo Martin, then he probably has a longer leash and it's going to be weird if in four years, the next coach has a 500 record and gets another year and another year, you know, if he's, bowl eligible three out of four years but barely 500 what's that going to look like and i just think when people bring that up it's a it's a good argument what's is jim sterk really going to be in the business of firing bowl eligible coaches for the entire time he's at missouri Mm -hmm. yeah and so now we've moved on to the, the portion of the search where the names at least in our mind aren't as appealing as we thought and you know, I think something that I 
that made me want to justify Barry Odom getting fired was like, okay, certainly St- Jim Sterk knows where he's going with this. Um, you know, at the very least, he has a plan. Um, feels comfortable about you know two or three guys that he could go get right now. That would be a clear upgrade. And now we're seeing that doesn't look to be the case. And it, it, a decision has not been made. And you know, and there's still a lot of smoke. There's a lot of rumors out there, and it's really hard to know what to actually go with. But at this point, it's looking like there's a lot of like uh, I'm not really sure what's going on from Jim Sterk, at least from the outside looking in. So that's concerning to me, and it's concerning that you know. I think that it's possible, like you said, that him firing a bowl eligible coach for the last you know three years in a row, I'm, I'm scared that it makes this job look a lot less attractive to other coaches um, that might be wanting to check out the job and pairing that with the NCAA sanctions and pairing that with the fact that Missouri is not an easy place to win. It's in the SEC. It's not in a recruiting hotbed. You have to play tough teams every year. It's not a job where anybody can just go win eight to ten games a year. And that probably scares a lot of coaches that might be in good situations where they are, or maybe want to wait for a better, a better opportunity. And that was a good point that uh, that Gabe Diarman made on Power Mizzou um, in the last couple of days was just that guys aren't making the jump to Power Five opportunities as much anymore because people are getting hired and fired at a faster rate than ever before. It's so easy to fail. Yeah, you might go make some more money at a at a Power Five school, but most likely you're going to get fired in three to four years. That's just how it works. And so if you're, if you're currently in a little bit lower level job and everybody thinks you're great and you're making decent money, you're, I mean, decent as, as far as coaching realm goes, right. you're, you're making good money. You're, you're winning games. People think a lot of you, you're probably not going to leap for that. Like Missouri job that doesn't look so great right now. Yeah. And that Missouri is such a middling, it's such a middle of the road program as far as a power five conference job that you you're just I don't know you're gonna it's just so different in basketball because in basketball I feel like the lower level schools like the uh mid-major schools the what they're paying guys just isn't the same <laughs> as what a SEC, SEC school is going to pay a basketball coach and <clears throat> But that's not the case. Some of these group group of five conference head coaches are making a million plus dollars a year, and obviously that you can you can uh, live off of that, and you can kind of just sit there and wait for you can just sit there and win ten games a year at Boise State, or I don't know eight games a year at Arkansas State, and. Or even a higher level than that. Look at uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State. He can sit there and win eight games a year at Iowa State until just a premier job with premier pay comes along. And why, like you said, why go to Missouri where the expectations might be a little unrealistic and you have a decent chance of getting fired in three or four years and having to do what? Take a step back down? Just sit where you are until that can't miss job opens up. Yeah, it's it's been it's it's been weird to uh, it's a bit of a reality check, and um, so now we're kind of like backtracking. At least I am. I'm backtracking a little bit, thinking like, okay, like now I'm like reassessing everything. What what is Jim Sterk? 
what why did we fire Barry Odom you know and and I think it's important to still think that you know Barry Odom still didn't do a great job this year there's a reason we fired him but are we going to regret this you know a year or two from now um and and just because a guy isn't a name that that wows you um, doesn't mean he's not going to come in and be successful I mean I think we're we're kind of freaking out and we maybe don't need to be but it's definitely going a lot weirder and it's been a lot more chaotic than anyone had ever hoped for. So if, if people have only been maybe casually following the coaching search so far and just checking in on Twitter or something like that, um, maybe we should try to get them up to speed a little bit. Let's talk about some names. Um, one good thing about us not recording until now is we we're kind of able to sift through all of the early, um, talk and, guys have come and gone off of the list of candidates already and so we kind of have a more realistic list i think although with the most recent developments that we'll get to um even the most reasonable list the most up-to-date realistic list is questionable at this point because nobody really knows what's going on and uh, basically at the beginning of this the names that were at the top of everybody's list were uh, Mike Norvell at Memphis. Um, as far as if you're, I, I feel like at the beginning of this whole thing, there was kind of three categories of coaches, a up and coming uh, mid-major head coach that had experience winning a lot of games or building up programs. And the guy at the top of that list was Mike Norvell at Memphis. Uh, he took the job after Justin Fuente went to, uh, Virginia Tech, and he just kept them rolling. Uh, they won 10 games, 11 games, obviously went to bowls every year, and he was the hot name as far as an, an up-and-coming, pretty young head coach. And it seems like that ship has sailed. Uh, Missouri is not really in the running. He's not in the running for the Missouri job. Missouri is not in the running for his services. Uh, it looks like he will be coaching somewhere else next year, but it is probably going to be a more high profile job than Missouri. Yeah. I would guess he's going to probably end up at a Florida state. I think that's kind of considered the, the primary landing spot for him. It would have been interesting though, to get him from Memphis when, uh, that was kind of Barry Odom's job. Mm -hmm. If Gary Pinkle had not retired and in an alternate universe, Barry Odom takes that job. Pinkle retires around now maybe and Barry Odom kept the train rolling at Memphis worked through the process of hiring assistants for the first time and being the boss for the first time and he's more seasoned and then he rolls into Columbia and you with know, head coaching experience yeah you never know but I wish you wouldn't have said that <laughs> well let me ease your mind a little bit because uh Nebraska fans have Scott Frost who did that exact thing. I mean, he was not an assistant at Nebraska, but he they didn't hire him until he had head coaching experience and he had excellent head coaching experience, went undefeated at UCF and he's come in and they've missed a bowl game two years in a row. It's tough when you hire a like a golden boy from your from the alma mater because if things don't go well, then it's like, okay, what do we do now? Yeah. And it's so awkward. And I feel like Nebraska's there with uh, with Frost and, you know, same thing with Missouri. Um, you'd think that maybe that might buy them an extra year 
just because you don't want to do your boy wrong. But I mean, that definitely didn't happen for Barry Odom. But and that type of candidate is going to have fan support a little bit longer than others would. But um, oh, I was about to make a point. I think I'm tired of hiring like Mizzou people at this point. Yeah. Well, one other benefit to doing that is you're a lot of times if you can get a young up and comer that has ties to the program, they they can be your guy for 20 years. And if it works, it works incredibly well. And they're not going to be looking to use it as a stepping stone to another job. And that's the argument a lot of times for hiring those guys or part of the argument, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of over it as well. If, if a guy uses the Missouri job as a stepping stone, then probably Missouri had successful right. seasons. At least that means we were probably winning. You can maybe parlay that into another good head coaching hire. What if, uh, what if Barry Odom is the new coach at Memphis and in a hypothetical world, Mike Norvell would have come to Missouri. <laughs> they would have oh, yeah. effectively sw- uh, just swapped coaches. That would be pretty crazy. Yeah. That that's, was that probably was neither of those happen, things are happening probably, but speaking of Barry Odom though, and in his next job, there was a tweet going around. Yes. I fell for it. <laughs> well, so did a lot of, uh, a lot of reporters and everybody else that he was hired as the Virginia Tech defensive coordinator, uh, getting back together with Justin Fuente. It just made sense. Uh, made perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech's longtime defensive coordinator, legend there, retired this year. And um, yeah, Fuente was the coach at Memphis when Barry Odom was the defensive coordinator. And I, that very well could still, still happen. Yes, definitely. It really does make a lot of sense, but that was pretty quick. That would have been a pretty quick turnaround, um, but yeah, that would obviously be pretty awesome for Barry Odom if he was able to do that. All right, back to the names. Uh, let's see here. Who? Uh, I, another sort of class of coach would be the guy that has never been a head coach before, but is kind of the hot shot, up and coming assistant who would kind of be a splash hire, mm-hmm. and um, but. Which I we, kind of think that uh, Missouri administration probably has a little bit of PTSD about because that oh, was yeah. like Barry Odom's biggest criticism was that he has no head coaching experience and right. he doesn't know what he's doing and he's in over his head. Yeah, so that type of candidate was probably never going to be the guy at Missouri. Um, who was the who was the guy at LSU, the like offensive analyst? I can't, I can't think of his, his name off the top of my head. But uh, LSU Isn't has he the this... quarterback's coach, I think? Yeah, he has, they have this like, kind of hot shot... Uh, offensive coach that it seems like is the next guy to just take the college football world by storm and will probably have a head coaching job at a pretty decent program in the next three to five years so um if we can remember his name watch out for it but uh <laughs> that type of guy was probably not watch out happen. for that name that watch, we're not gonna watch say. out for that name that we can't remember uh but you'll know it when you see it um and then the other type of coach is the longtime veteran uh, with Power Five experience that maybe has bounced around from some jobs, sort of the Conzo Martin type coach. There's not a great comparison for Conzo Martin in the uh, pool of candidates right now, uh, but one name that would be pretty interesting is Lane Kiffin, and he obviously has a long history in college football even in the SEC when he's when he was at Tennessee. But um, since then, he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama when they won a national championship. Um, and then he took over the job at FAU and has been successful there. They've gone to bowl games, and 
I think he's matured a little bit and he, but he's still only 44 years old. And I think that would be definitely a splash hire. And we would see the very best recruiting that Missouri has to offer. I mean, I don't think anybody, some of the players that he gets at FAU is just kind of blows your mind. Mm -hmm. And with, if he was able to still recruit Florida at Missouri and then kind of build on the progress that Barry Odom has made in St. Louis and things like that, I think he could be successful. I was pretty against it when I first heard his name being talked about, but that was kind of just because of personality reasons and negative reasons he's been in the media during his coaching career. And that probably shouldn't weigh quite as much as it did in my mind. And it's not like he's, I don't think he's a bad guy by any means. He just says some dumb dumb stuff sometimes and gets kind of in trouble with the media. But fans like that out of their head coach. They just don't like it out of other people's head coaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was kind of with you on that. Like I was a little bit just like, uh, I don't, I just like, it doesn't seem like a great fit to me. Like I, and I don't really have any reason specifically why it's just different than what Missouri has done in the past. And maybe that would make it a good hire. Um, so about the time I kind of started warming up to a little bit, I think we found out that that's just kind of not really going to happen. I think there's a better chance he ends up at Arkansas than Missouri. I still don't know if that's going to happen either. I, I would not like that as a Mizzou fan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think I would either. Well, even, so it's like, I don't really want him to be our coach, but I don't really want to coach against him either. Yeah. Especially recruit against him. I mean, playing him on Saturday, I would not be as worried about, but recruiting against him would be tough for whoever the next coach would be. Um, anybody that you want to spotlight in particular, I don't know. How do you want to go about this? We talked about kind of the three types of coaches and I think it's kind of narrowed down to, it's going to be probably a mid-major level head coach who has been around a little while and somebody who has shown a history of taking programs that are down and building them up to successful, you know, 10 win type programs. Yeah. Uh, I think from the very beginning, I would say Harson from Boise's, Boise State was probably one of my favorites. Um, but he's kind of in one of those situations that we talked about earlier, where it's just like, why do you leave your a million and a half a year job to go take a tough job at Mizzou whenever you've got Boise State rolling already? Yeah, and um, he has a history there. I mean, he, right. that's his alma mater. Exactly. And, so that's probably just not realistic at this point. Um, obviously, Will Healy was definitely a, an intriguing name that we heard a lot at the beginning of the search. Um, like super, super like high risk, high reward potentially uh, candidate. Um, he's like 34 years old or something. And if you look at him, he looks even younger than that. Um, he's kind of a Lane Kiffin type personality, I think. Kind of a little more... Um, I think a little more fun loving, a little more fun loving, more yeah. friendly, probably than yes. Lane Kiffin. You're probably, you're probably right, um, but definitely uh, not a quiet, reserved person either. So um, he could definitely bring a spark to uh, the fan base and recruiting. Um, he's been pretty successful at some really, really difficult places to win. Um, so he was a name that that we've seen. I, I don't, don't know, I don't know if that's something that'll happen either. Um, I think he's. We've kind of seen some rumors that he's not super interested in the Missouri job. I think he might want to bring his entire staff, which I think Missouri potentially wants to keep some of uh, the current staff on board. So that might not be a match there. Yeah. I mean, 
One thing that jumps out to me when you look at his resume is he coached at Austin P and he took them from an 0 and 11 record in 2016 to 8 and 4 in 2017, which is a pretty dramatic turnaround. But then was only 5 and 6 the next season and this year his first season at Charlotte, he's 7 and 5. Now, obviously Charlotte not a program that has any real relevance um, as far as NCAA football goes, but I mean, he just has, he has a lot of experience at the FCS level and uh, he coached at University of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and brought them up to a eight, 10 win team consistently. And like we said, that's kind of what we think the, uh, the, the head people at Missouri are looking for is a guy that can turn a program around and build them up to that level of uh, team. Yeah. Charlotte to Mizzou would still be a massive jump. Yeah. Um, but I think he's pretty widely regarded as a guy who might be a rock star in college football coaching, you know, in the next five to 10 years. So um, it'd be nice to be the team that took a chance on him and it worked out. Um, he's probably the guy that is going to move on to the, if he's super successful, he probably will move on uh to a super premium job whenever that time comes but which again i would be totally fine with <laughs> again yes um but that's getting way ahead of ourselves yeah. so um he might come to missouri and not be good at all that's a risk you take with a candidate like that that just hasn't had a job like quite like that before in the power five um sec realm um but he's definitely intriguing i again i don't know what's gonna happen though uh his agent is also uh, what's his name? Sexton. Yeah. yeah. That's and an interesting thing to consider with these guys is probably half the candidates we're looking at right now are all Sexton clients. And yeah. I'm not sure that's a deal breaker, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on. And an agent is going to do what's in the best interest of their client, of course. And that means using the media to get their client more money. And we already saw some tweets and stuff that said that he had turned down the Mizzou offer and uh, he was interviewing with Ole Miss. And, but then you see people say, well, that could just be the agent, you know, saying stuff like that to get sort of a bidding war going or, or something. I don't know. But um, I don't think you can count him out completely at this point. Yeah. However, um, I think we've kind of reached the point where the next coach at Missouri is going to have more uh, FBS level experience than that. Yeah, I, I would... I would be on board for that kind of hire, but I just don't think Jim Stirk's going to do it after being burned by a guy that had that didn't have that that kind of experience. Agree. Um, a few names that I think are easy to cross off the list that people have been kind of talking about a little bit. One would be Steve Sarkeesian, which is not one that we've heard a lot about, but. I think actually could be a decent fit. He wasn't incredibly successful in his time at Washington and had some personal off the field issues that caused him to resign from that position. Um, or sorry, that was when he was at USC. He was fairly successful at Washington, then went to USC, had some personal issues, and then resurfaced on Alabama's coaching staff as the offensive coordinator, spent uh, time as the Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator, then back at Alabama. And if you're looking for a guy who can recruit well and put together a good offense, I think he is worth considering. Um, I don't think Missouri is really considering him, 
but it was a name that will come up in any kind of coaching search basically until he proves that he just can't do it at an elite level. I think you'll hear his name on the flip side of that is a guy that obviously can do it at an elite elite level, but is also not coming to Missouri. And that's Kyle Whittingham from Utah. Uh, Utah, if you don't know, is like sixth in the college football playoff rankings. And with a few losses from the right teams are making the final four this year. So he's, probably making as much money or around the same amount as he can make at Missouri. Like I, I, I'm not sure he would make a whole lot money, a whole lot more money if he came to Missouri, not a whole lot money. And he's been in Utah for a really, for a really <laughs> long time. I don't see him leaving. Yeah. He's fairly on the older side as far as head coaching, head coaches go. Um, I think he's even s- said that he is planning to retire in like five years or something. I mean, if he wants to spend the last five years of his coaching career at Missouri, great. But probably not going to happen, even though that's a name people like to talk about. Um, I think that leaves us with a few. Is there Are there any other names that you just think people might be talking about that we want to just put to bed right now? It's not going to happen. Those are the main ones that people are talking about. So that leaves us with like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven-ish candidates that are pretty realistic that are names that people have been talking about. Um, there's two from the service academies. Uh, the first one is Troy Calhoun from air force. Um, but I don't think he's as likely a candidate as Jeff Monken from army. Um, let's talk about him a little bit. I have prepared some notes on this guy. He's only 52 years old. Who is this, Calhoun or Monken? Monken. Okay. He's 52 years old. Uh, we don't know his salary or buyout situation because he's he coaches at Army right now. But he was born in Peoria, Illinois, so not too far away. And he played wide receiver at in high school in Illinois, uh, was a graduate assistant at Hawaii, Arizona State, and then got his first real... Uh, got his first head coaching job at high school in Illinois. And then he was a running backs coach at Georgia Southern and Navy and Georgia tech. Uh, the first time he was a head coach was at Georgia Southern in four seasons. They went 10 and five, 11 and three, 10 and four, and then seven and four. But, uh, they were in the FCS at that time, made the, the playoff semifinals each year, uh, the first three years. And then in his final season, they were transitioning to FBS. They played in the Sun Belt Conference, and they beat Florida that year in 2013. So pretty good stint at Georgia Southern. And then he uh, took over Army. Army was 40 and 126 since 2000. And... He got them bowl eligible in his third season at eight and five, and then was 10 and three, 11 and three, and then five and seven this year. Pretty good run. That's not easy to do at Army. He was the first coach ever to lead Army to three consecutive bowls. They were all wins. First to lead them to back to back 10 win seasons. First ever 11 win season and highest final poll ranking since 1958. And he won three different Coach of the Year awards 
after their 11 win 2018 season what do you think uh he's definitely one of my probably one of my top candidates at this point i mean that's uh he's won at some difficult places to win um what did they did they run the triple option yes they do that would be interesting i I wonder what georgia southern runs um because he spent some time when he was there he ran the triple option did he okay because i know you mentioned that he was at georgia tech obviously earlier in his career as well and they so it sounds like he's a triple option guy yeah uh he does run the triple option he's said that he's not married to it and he could he has other offenses that he's capable of running i'm sure at some point like whenever you're at those service academies and maybe other schools too you're just kind of like forced to run that do you think that's a thing or like or do you think he's choosing to to do i I wonder if he has a choice honestly well i mean that's kind of been his his bread and butter uh, his whole career so uh, it's well, probably just a nice match. If it works, it works, I guess. But it's going to take a while to get the personnel he needs, potentially. I, I think he would be told not to do it at yeah. Missouri. I mean, that would be part of the expectation going in, I think. They would say, okay, what's what's the deal with the triple option? And then he would probably say, do you want to run it? And they would say no. And he'd say, okay, <laughs> well, we can make this work. Yeah, I guess so. At least that's what he's saying in his interview. Yeah. But that that scares me a little bit. Yeah, I, um, I don't love that. I mean, aspects of it, sure. But to for that to be your entire offense, I don't know. It's just not something I want to sign up for. I agree. You want to put a, like a percentage on the chance that they hire this guy? Maybe at the end. Okay. Uh, who who do you want to talk about next? Let's mark him off our list here. Um, should we talk about the three guys that their names were taken to the board of curators today? And just get those out of the way, or yes. do you want to save that for kind of the end? Uh, let's let's just let's blow through a few more names real quick, and then uh, talk about those guys as kind of serious contenders. Um, we should preface it though by saying the the news today was that uh, there was a rumor that um, Jim Sterk went to the board of curators asking them to approve the hire of Blake Anderson from Arkansas state Mm -hmm. and that they told him no. And And, and it may have just been like a a select few members of the board. I don't know if it was like an official meeting with like the whole board. Well, the rumor was that, that that was the case. Right. And that they told him, no, find somebody better. Now there may be only some, and then the board of curators has come out and said in regards to the rumors, we have not been presented with a candidate. That's not true. I think there is some truth to that rumor. I think it's kind of in between the two statements. Um, it sounds like it's possible that Jim Sterk went to the board with three names and said kind of what I'm guessing that conversation maybe goes like is, hey, these are three guys that are interested. Uh, here's kind of the salaries and buyouts that uh, come along with each one. And it probably wasn't an official meeting. It was probably maybe just with a portion of the board of curators and it's pretty likely that they could have said okay that would work but here are the parameters that we want you to use going forward talk to some bigger names with these numbers in mind and see what you can see what you can get Mm -hmm. that's the way in my mind i see that conversation happening in reality Mm -hmm. and monken was one of those guys okay we just talked about him so um, yeah, and you mentioned Blake Anderson. Let's talk about him. Yeah, head coach at Arkansas State. 
You've got some you've got some notes prepared on him. I do. He's only 50 years old. His salary is less than a million dollars a year. His buyout is exactly one million dollars. He is from Jonesboro, Jonesboro, Arkansas, which is where uh, Arkansas State is. Uh, he played quarterback and wide receiver at Baylor, and then also uh, then he transferred to Sam Houston State. His first big-time coaching job came in 1999 when he became the running backs and wide receivers coach at New Mexico. And then he became the offensive coordinator at Middle Tennessee. Uh, he was out of coaching for a short time and then was the offensive coordinator at Louisiana Lafayette under uh, Larry Fedora. I'm oh, sorry, no. Uh, Larry Fedora then hired him as offensive coordinator at Southern Miss and then took him with him to North Carolina in 2012. And that year, the offense, um, actually the next year, the offense at North Carolina was eighth in the nation in production and set 35 school records. So then he obviously was successful. He parlayed that into a head coaching position at Arkansas State, where he's been ever since. Interestingly, he replaced Brian Harrison in Brian's one season uh, at Arkansas State before he went back to Boise State. Um, and Anderson was the fifth head coach in five years at Arkansas State at that point. He has been, he has gone 46 and 30 in six seasons. They've gone to a bowl game every year and they have won either the conference or their division three out of the six years that he's been there. Yeah, I got to think that probably of the candidate pool that we currently have, uh, Anderson's probably my top choice and he's a guy that, I probably feel like has the best shot to potentially be Missouri's next coach. And in fact, uh, Gabe was reporting, Gabe Yarman was reporting that, you know, Arkansas state expected to lose him to Missouri as recently as Thursday morning and, and Wednesday night they were, they were preparing for that to happen. So it sounds like there was definitely, uh, some steam that was, that was picking up behind, uh, Anderson to Missouri. Um, at some point I think something may have changed and maybe this like kind of rumor we're hearing about the about Jim Stirk you know bringing his name to the board of curators and them not being super on board with it and maybe telling him to go back out and, and potentially look for more candidates um so if, if if Jim Stirk said hey with what you have told me if he's talking to the board of curators and he said hey with these with these numbers we're talking about we're looking at this kind of candidate right these three guys and they said okay noted now let's step that up to this, this higher threshold for salary or assistant salary or buyout necessary, whatever, uh, go see what you can do with those numbers. Mm -hmm. That's kind of an optimistic look at these rumors being partially true, mm -hmm. but it's realistic, I think. Yeah. And that doesn't mean though, that Blake Anderson may not end up being the guy. Right. If he goes out, if Sturt goes out and, um, makes more calls and sets up more interviews and it's just not happening, then maybe I wouldn't say Blake Anderson is like a backup plan, but mm -hmm. I think if Sterk feels good about that, he's probably going to have to make a decision pretty soon or else Anderson's going to be like, okay, I'm not just going to wait around here while you shop for all these other coaches. I, I got to know. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that a decision needs to be made probably by Sunday like just just so you're not like you said just so you're not 
telling these candidates who are who are in serious consideration that you're just kind of like waiting until something better comes along um because i don't know you you just you want the the new coach to feel like he has 100 percent support all the way coming in from the very beginning and you just don't want to get off to a weird start or you don't want them to just pick another job or decide they don't want to leave or whatever it is if it's somebody you're seriously considering and, and think that can be successful here because anderson is a guy i think could be successful um, he's been successful a lot of other places. Um, I think that he, like you mentioned, his, his salary is only like a million, so he could definitely get a, a pretty big pay increase. And I think his wife just recently passed away, and so he may be looking for kind of a, a way out of his, his current location just yeah. for kind of a fresh start somewhere else. So, But it is close to close to home. Yeah, still, still just a few hours away from where he currently is. So I think that... Blake Anderson makes the most sense out of probably these guys that are that we're currently kind of hearing a lot about. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of over the next couple of days if uh, we get any new names. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then um, I'll be honest with you, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this candidate, but the third candidate that it was rumored that uh, Jim Sterk took to at least a member of the Board of Curators was Skip Holtz. And I didn't prepare anything on him, so we're going to go to Wikipedia. And (laughs) he is the current head coach at Louisiana Tech, where he has a record of 55 and 36. He is 55 years old. He was a graduate assistant at Florida State, uh, coached on the offensive side of the ball in some capacity at the following schools, Colorado State, Notre Dame, where he became offensive coordinator, Connecticut, also known as UConn, (laughs) South Carolina, where he was offensive coordinator, East Carolina, so sounds like a demotion. Oh, sorry, sorry. He was head coach at East Carolina, so definitely a promotion. And then also South Florida, and then now Louisiana Tech. In his head coaching career, he is 143. And 107. He's seven and three in bowl appearances, and won Conference USA a couple times. So to me, sounds like a guy that's pretty pedestrian uh, and not a clear upgrade over Barry Odom in my mind. I just to me, like if that's if that's really going to be the guy that you go with, it just is so puzzling to me that clearly that's not you. You just didn't fire Barry Odom thinking like, all right, let's go get Skip Holtz. Like let's let's secure him and 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 get him and bring him here. That's just clearly if that's the guy that they somehow end up with or or even that he's in the running for this job, then clearly it proves to me that they had no plan whenever they fired Barry Odom. Yeah, that would be pretty much a disastrous hire in my opinion and a lot of Mizzou fans' opinion when that name was kind of brought to the forefront. I don't know. I think. It's just, that would be such a weird decision. I mean, I just can't see it being that realistic. Again, I have to just assume that he's just using that name as an example of this is the type of guy that we can get with these numbers. That's my, that's the only hope that I have. I hope you're right. As to why his name is attached to the Mizzou job. It's frightening. Maybe, uh, Skip Holtz's agent is doing a really good job and like 
angling for a pay raise at his current job or, or something. Yeah. Or I don't know. One guy that, uh, I don't know if you have this written down as someone you want to talk about, but, uh, Jim McElwain was a guy whose name I've heard quite a bit. Um, I do think that he would be a better candidate than Skip Holtz. Yes. Uh, and probably even Monken. Uh, I honestly, oh man, when I first heard Jim McElwain's name a few days ago, I was like, really? Like it, I, it was not even something I really considered. Um, but I guess the more I've gotten to, you know, read up on him a little bit, um, I've warned up to him slightly, I guess he kind of had a, a weird thing at Florida, but he still won the East like maybe twice when he was yeah, there. Two, he was there for not even a full three seasons. <laughs> He was fired during his third season mm-hmm. and won the SEC East in his first and second season. Yeah, and so now he's at Central Michigan, and he's improved that program, one that was not good. Now they're like they've won eight games this year, so he's he's been fairly impressive, at least in the most some of the most recent jobs he's had, and um, seems like kind of a probably a good fit for at least the kind of coaches that Missouri has hired in the past. So yeah, I mean, if you just look at his resume in don't even if you just took his name away from his resume i mean it looks really good uh offensive coordinator at the fcs level um special teams coordinator at louisville and michigan state a stop in the nfl for one year offensive coordinator at fresno state and then four years as the offensive coordinator at alabama one of those was a national championship season uh potentially two of those actually um then he was the head coach at colorado state and florida but he was fired from florida so when you go back and look at the offenses that he coached at alabama it was excellent Uh, they went from ranked 23rd to fourth in his time there and however when you look at florida with those athletes that he was recruiting and that will muschamp recruited before him they went from 81st to 51st not a huge increase for this like offensive guru but i don't know i think i'm trying to talk myself out of him more than anything Uh, still florida's team is made up almost primarily of of guys he recruited and they have been pretty good so i think that is a concern with him is recruiting but I don't know that I'm too terribly worried about recruiting because I'm not sure that anybody would can recruit that well at Missouri. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you. It's just like, again, with all these guys, it's kind of like, eh, I mean, yeah. maybe it could work. I don't know. It doesn't excite me. That's pretty much how I feel about almost every single one of these names. But I do think that I would prefer him over probably half the guys we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, did I, I mention that my, uh, my Mizzou neighborhood and my brain is on fire and burning. Yeah. And it's hell. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and I just wanted to throw that in again, I guess. I don't see, <laughs> I don't see Jim McElwain. I mean, I can see him showing up with like a water hose to try to put out the fire. Yeah, maybe so. So is that everybody in your list at this point? There's, there's one more guy that I, that I really want to talk about. And then I did some research on, and his name is Willie Fritz. Have you heard about Willie? I sure have. So tell me if you think this sounds familiar. He was a longtime coach and won multiple national championships at Central Missouri. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) He's a little on the older side. He's 59 years old. 
Uh, but he, he makes less than $2 million now, uh, doesn't have much of a buyout. Listen to the resume of him turning around programs. He was the head coach at uh, Blinn College, which is a junior college. And the three seasons before he arrived, that team was 5-24. and 24. And then in his time there, they were 39-5, and five, including two national championships. Then he coached at Central Missouri, earning the school's first ever postseason berth. He became the school's winningest coach with a record of 97 and 47. And then he took over Sam Houston State. And the next season they went undefeated and won and went to back-to-back FCS national, national title games. Then he became the head coach at Georgia Southern and led them to a 9-3 record in their first-ever FBS season, including 8-0 in the Sun Belt. Then uh, they went 8-4. Then he became the head coach at Tulane, and he has not been the best there, but it's Tulane. They're terrible. They had a winning percentage from 1998 to when he took over of 32%. He has a winning percentage of 45%, so it's an increase. They've won a bowl game, one bowl game in three seasons, and they are eligible for a second in four this year. Um, you, you want my reaction on that? Yes. Um, yeah. Sounds all right. I okay, mean, what if I tell you this? Let me, let me add okay. one more just like all cherry right. on top. Okay, let's hear it. He has reportedly interviewed for both the Mizzou job and the Arkansas job. And he has been quoted as saying that Mizzou is his dream job. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, that sounds like something straight out the, out the mouth of his agent to me. Um, <laughs> that sounds like some serious posturing to me. Um, but uh, I don't know. Do you think it's really his dream job? That sounds like art. Yeah, that I sounds mean, like. You're at Central Missouri from for a long time, 1997 to 2009. Are you sure this isn't Cam Anderson's bio? It is exactly Cam Anderson's bio if Cam Anderson had then coached a Sunbelt team from winning three games to uh, being in the NCAA tournament and then coached a Conference USA team from, you know, 10 wins to an NIT bid for two seasons. I understand the intrigue. I guess I just... uh... I don't know. Again, doesn't really wow me. I don't. I've never heard of him before, like three days ago. Um, but that's probably you haven't the case heard of the for, head coach at Tulane. <laughs> that's probably the case for a couple of these guys. So, um, yeah. I mean, I guess I'll just kind of put them in that. Like, eh, could be, may, good, may, might be good. It's yeah. A category at, along with all these other guys. I mean, he's probably higher in my list than, than others. But I mean, that was some good research, though. No, I'll be honest. Uh, it, I mean, I do love the fact that he has turned around some programs from being terrible to elite in yeah. their uh division i guess um but missouri's in a, de- in a in a decent spot they've got some good players i'm not sure that it would just be a complete rebuild and i mean maybe that's irrelevant in this conversation but i mean a lot of the guys i feel like that we're talking about in these conversations are have been at programs that are just absolutely awful and i don't know Missouri seems to be in like a little bit different spot than some of these other programs that some of these coaches have been at. Missouri is definitely not 
an easy place to win at, but it's definitely not like taking over Austin P either though. So, so you don't seem very impressed with any of these candidates. I think that you might be right. Is there, there's got, is there a candidate out there that you would be impressed with that would make some sort of reasonable sense that would actually consider coming to Missouri? Out of this, out of this candidate pool, Forget the candidate pool. Anybody. I don't know. There's so many freaking people out there. <laughs> Let me give you one. Let me give you one. Okay. His name is Bill Clark. He's the current head coach at UAB. I don't think I've... I've seen just some people put his name out there as like a coach that exists. I haven't seen his name tied to the Missouri job at all. He's 51 years old, uh, has a head coaching record of 45 and 21, um, and has coached UAB up from a bad conference USA team to winning 11 games last year and nine games this year. What can you tell me about the Appalachian state coach? Uh, I can tell you everything that Wikipedia has to offer on the Appalachian (laughs) state head coach. (laughs) So I, I take it you, if it, if it's not like, uh, Brian Harrison from Boise state, you're not really too impressed. Would you even be impressed with him? Yeah, I would be. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Appalachian state head coach, you uh, might be interested to know. I, and I did already know this. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator at Arkansas state under Blake Anderson before becoming uh, the current head coach at Appalachian State. But uh, he's 36 years old. This is his first season. Uh, they won 11 games. They beat a couple of Power 5 programs, I believe. Yeah. They've had a great season. He, I feel like that's a guy you have to at least check into. What's his name? We've just been calling it. His name is Il... Hmm. <laughs> His last name is Drinkwitz. Interesting. And that is, I think his first name is probably pronounced Elia. Cool. Drinkwitz. Yeah. I mean, I, I pro I mean, I don't have like a whole list of guys that I want us to interview that haven't been interviewed, but I feel like that's a guy that I thought of as, as a smaller program that's had success. Yeah, their previous uh, coach, Scott Satterfield, was very successful there mm. and is now the head coach at Louisville. Gotcha. So he might be uh, winning with house money a little bit there. Maybe. Um, I think if, I don't know, if I could pre- if I could pick like a dream coaching staff, then it would be like uh, Mark Richt doesn't have any health issues and he comes to coach Missouri and he gets like, Charlie Strong to be the defensive coordinator and I don't know. And then we get the guy from LSU to be the offensive coordinator. <laughs> Barry Odom as DC. Yeah, that would actually be great. <laughs> <laughs> um I think there's a guy that I could be excited about is one of the uh Clemson offensive coordinators, but we we tend to think that Jim Strick wants uh head coaching experience, so yeah. probably not going to happen. So at this point, I feel like um, we just kind of 
strap in and wait and see what happens. I mean, there's been a lot of smoke. There's been a lot of chaos. There's been a lot of disappointment from Missouri fans on the internet. Um, I'm still not going to rush into a whole lot of judgment on Jim Sterk because, you know, maybe this is all that ends up terribly, but maybe this just everything we're hearing is just rumors and posturing and we have no idea what's actually really happening and he has a plan and it's going to be okay. Um, if not, if everything goes as miserably as we kind of feel like it is happening right now, you got to think Jim Sterk's job security is not the strongest as we thought it might be recently. Well, it doesn't help that uh, the basketball team just dropped a game to uh, Charleston Southern. Oh, you want to be talking about that? (laughs) We'll get to that in a second. (laughs) So I, I honestly, even like a couple weeks ago, I was not worried about Jim Sterk at all. I hadn't even really crossed my mind. But now I think a coaching search will do crazy things. Now I think we're, uh, and honestly, I don't know if I've ever been upset with an AD for firing a coach before. That's something that was kind of like, that's a weird, that's a new emotion. Yeah. It's like, I'm kind of, I'm like a little bit disappointed that you just fired our current coach. That wasn't all that great. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because the standards at Missouri is usually you have to be pretty embarrassingly terrible to get fired. Yeah. And I mean, Gary Pinkle was the coach for so long. It's just like never really had to think about it. Right. And yeah. Well, so he's uh, probably not sleeping very well right now. <laughs> he's got a lot going on. Or maybe he just knows exactly who he wants. And I he's sure just so. getting it all lined up and we'll find out any minute now. So if you can put your money on one guy, who's it going to be right now? I guess put the money on Blake Anderson. I mean, it, like most likely. Yeah. Blake like, Anderson. like if you, if you have to guess right now, like, who, who's the next guy going to be? Well, according to Wikipedia, Blake Anderson's already the head coach of Missouri. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll agree with you. I think that's uh, that seems to be the most likely can- candidate at this very moment in time. And I would not be too upset by that. A lot of people would be very upset by that. I'd be fine with it. Um, I could be talked into several guys that we've talked about. I can be persuaded. Yeah. <laughs> I could even be talked into... I was talking myself into Jim McElwain even a little Me bit too. when I was looking at his uh, offensive coordinator stats and stuff. I don't know. I'll never be able to get uh, the image, uh, a potentially, probably, hopefully fake image of him. I think that was confirmed that was somebody else. Okay. I'll never be able to get the image of a completely different person lying <laughs> naked next Same. to a shark in a boat. And thinking That's about dead. it being Jim McElwain. That was 100% the first thing I thought of when I saw his name in like coaching search rumors. I was like, really? That guy? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that has been confirmed. It was not him. I hope. For Producer him. Cameron, if you Google just Jim McElwain, a Google image search, I want to see if the picture in question comes up. No, uh... I don't chunky nothing nothing strange no I don't see it naked men okay now just add the word shark to the end of your search oh man that's the as soon as I hit space that's the first option that comes up is shark (laughs) how do you like that oh Oh, that's a nice photoshop job here oh you think it's it's photoshop no though oh Oh, a joke okay oh that's a good one Oh wow! It's like riding the shark is like jumping out of the water. Okay, it's look at like the, the. Is there one where he's like in the bottom of a boat? Yeah, I see it. You that's think that's him? It looks just like him. <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty close. 
yeah so somebody somebody got paid to come out and say it was them i think that'd be right um if you could pick from the coaches that we've talked about if i mean if we're talking about all the coaches we've talked about i'd probably pick Brian, are you saying Harrison, but is it Harson, whatever? Harrison, Harson. Whatever. The guy from Boise State. H-A-R-S-I-N. I guess that'd probably be my pick out of the, out of the reasonable candidate pool we're talking about at this very moment in time. Um, but I, that's just not happening. So out of probably Harson. Out of the v- super reasonable people we're talking about, again, I'd probably just pick Anderson. I'd pick Kyle Whittingham. Uh, yeah, that's that's that'll happen. Yeah. For sure. No, I would actually pick Lane Kiffin. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I wouldn't fault you at all for that. That would be something completely different than anybody else on the list. He's offers. probably not a better candidate than Jim McElwain, but I would still choose him over Jim McElwain. Would you rather have Will Healy or Jim McElwain? Uh, it doesn't really make any sense, but I'll go Will Healy. Might as well. Well, I think, uh, I don't think that this is going to be, I, th- I, th- let me put it this way. I think we will be questioning whether we'll be able to talk about the new coach when it's getting close to podcast time next week. I think we will look like idiots have about this time next week, considering like all the people we talked about. What, what do you mean? Like, what if just somebody completely new comes out or like, Something we just... That's what's going to happen. What if, like, we're just talking about these people and just they hire, like, Kyle Whittingham <laughs> or something, you <laughs> no, know? It's not going to happen. Um, I don't know. I just feel like so, you just can't... You just never know what's going to happen. I no. feel like... I don't... I think... I think so there much are changes people, so quickly. I think there are people in the know that thought they knew something. I think there are people that thought they had a pretty good grasp on the situation that no longer feel that way. And so for us to think that we have any idea would just be ridiculous. I thought we might get Urban Meyer. Yeah, I thought we might get Bob Stoops. Me too. I thought we might get 90-year-old Bobby Bowden. I thought we might get Art Bryles. Yeah, I thought we might get Nick Saban. Or actually, really what I thought before this all started and what I think actually what I put my money on and what I would most hope for is less miles. I thought we were going to have Barry Odom this time last week. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Might want that still. <laughs> you want to talk about basketball? No. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we should though. Uh, Missouri played a basketball game recently. It did not go well at all. That game was against Charleston Southern. At the time, Charleston Southern was ranked uh, 300 plus in Ken Palm. And that means that because Missouri lost to Charleston Southern, they are the worst ranked Ken Palm team that Missouri has lost to in the Ken Palm era. Nice. So you might think back to UMKC, Kim Anderson's first year. You might think back to Eastern Illinois, Kim Anderson's last year. Neither one was ranked as poorly as Charleston Southern. So Missouri couldn't shoot. Um, Let's pull up the stats here. They were four of 26 from three. That's 15%. Um, 
They turned the ball over 16 times, so a quarter of their possessions were turnovers. Uh, Drew Smith fouled out with like eight minutes to go in the second half. Uh, I think, I guess Jeremiah Tillman was the lone bright spot. I mean, 15 points and nine rebounds. He had a pretty good game, but that's what you kind of have to do against a bad mid-major minus. Yeah, yeah, definitely not even mid-major. Yeah, I think that there's just like so many things that concern me about this game and one of them being is just like we got off to a slow start again just like what is going on with these slow starts why do we look especially stale at the beginning of games we look stale the whole game and pretty much every game we've played this year honestly there's just like nothing exciting happening on the on the floor especially offensively but like what is with these crazy slow starts and i have no explanation for it well they just can't make shots oh yeah that's a good explanation for it (laughs) nobody can shoot the freaking ball yeah I mean, even even Mark Smith, who is the only player that has been shooting well at all, he was one for seven. From How three. did all of these players get worse? None of these players are are new players. None yeah. of these guys. We've seen all of these guys play well at times yeah. in their career. Xavier Pinson shot forty percent from three last year. Drew Smith was like forty six percent his last year at Evansville. Why can like none of them can make three point shots? They can't make shots on the inside. They don't. Mark Smith and Torrance Watson were combined one for 14 from three. Yeah. I, we talked, I think maybe last week about kind of uh, an easy way we can see this team improve. And that's just make a couple more three point shots. Just see the confidence go up in some of these, these key shooters. And that was like the extreme opposite happened of that. Missouri's second to last in the country. It's like 322nd or something. Of course they are. In three-point shooting. But Mitchell Smith was two for two. Hey, good for him. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's I, an I inexplicable still, loss. I, oh, yeah, 100%. I still think that it was kind of a fluky loss. I know that Charleston Southern is also like an abhorrent three-point shooting team, and they actually shot pretty well in this game. 46%. Um, especially in the second half. So... Uh, you know, they kind of just got unlucky. They didn't play great defense. <clears throat> they, they've somehow like fallen off the wagon on playing really like high energy, good perimeter defense. Um, Missouri, has. Missouri has. Yes. Yeah. And their efficiency rating has dropped from sixth to 40th. That's an extreme drop. So um, clearly the defense wasn't there, but Charleston Southern still made shots. They don't normally make even against bad defenses. So, um, that definitely didn't help, but and this and I was thinking this looked like a Kim Anderson type game in the first half. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is going incredibly poorly. Missouri's probably just going to win this game by six points or so, and everybody's going to go, "What in the world's going on?" But they're but then they lost, and we're still wondering what in the world's going on. Yeah, and then it was confirmed that this was a Kim Anderson era level performance. Yeah, when they. And Charleston Southern sealed the deal. And it wasn't even that close in the end. I mean, they had a a comfortable lead with two minutes left and just finished it off. Did I mention that being a Mizzou fan feels a lot like being in hell? Uh, You mentioned, I mean, you gave us the visual. Okay. Yeah. Uh, An entire burning city or at least a portion of a town. I can't quite remember. 
I think the word neighborhood was used uh, in yes. my illustration. An but, entire neighborhood burning to the ground. But yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, what are we segueing to? Uh, Missouri plays Temple on Saturday. Now, check this out, Kyle. Temple. Cheer me up. Well, Temple <laughs> <laughs> Temple is uh, better than Missouri on defense, okay. according to Ken Palm, but worse than Missouri on offense. That's unbelievable. There's a, there's a handful of teams now that qualify like that. Uh, I think Kansas State is pretty close to that, uh, doing that same thing, even in more extreme way. They're like a top 10 defense. Oh, actually, the best one. Virginia. Is Virginia. Yeah. They scored 40 points last night in a game against like Purdue. Yeah. Virginia is the number one efficiency ranked defense and 120th in offense. There's no, there's no way they're even 120th in my mind. Like that's like way in too reality. high. Yes. Yeah. That's way too high. Yeah. They score. They literally score like 40 to 50 points every single game, no matter who they're playing. That's I saw a score. An exaggeration, but sure. They, they played somebody maybe like a week ago. I don't know who it was, but they scored 26 points. Not Virginia, <laughs> but the team right. they were playing. Yeah. Maine. They, they won. They beat Maine by 20, uh, 46 to 26. I'm not exaggerating when they, <laughs> when I say they literally score 40 to 50 points a game. Well, yeah, they scored 65 against James Madison. Oh, wow. They scored 61 against Vermont. Offensive explosion. Yeah. But they also, their first game of the season, they beat Syracuse 48 to 34. Nice. That's a big one. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, so, uh, they're also dead last in adjusted tempo. Like slowest, yeah. So they're they're fun to watch this year. I feel like they've been this way like the last three or four years. Like that's just like the what you think of when you think of Virginia basketball is like low scoring but amazing defense. But their offense was good last this year. This year is like way more extreme than I feel like it's ever been. Yeah. Back to Temple though. Uh, let's see. How can Mizzou win this game? They can win this game because Temple's offense is not good. Uh, they don't shoot the ball particularly well. But they don't turn the ball over, so that's not something that Missouri tries to do much anyway. So it looks like on paper, the offensive style that Temple plays could be conducive to a good defensive performance by Missouri. Temple being at home hurts that, hurts those chances. But um, I don't see Missouri's offense springing to life in this game. So what you're saying is take the under? Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, the under is going to be low <laughs> to start with, but yeah, that's probably safe unless Temple just decides to make all their shots, which is possible. Well, let's just hope it's a close game somehow because Temple's offense sucks and Missouri's defense comes alive a little bit and Missouri just makes a few more shots than they have been. Yeah. How's I, that for analysis? I mean, I have to hope that Missouri's defense is like, is better than 40th. I mean, you have to hope that if you think Missouri is going to have a successful season in any way this year, mm-hmm. you have to hope that they, their rating has just dropped, just plummeted because their last three games and last four games, and they're going to build it back up to 25th ish because I don't think their offense is going to be near like top 70 or anything that it would need to be, to be a tournament team. I mean, it's insane to think about that. It's barely December and Missouri has a loss on their resume that is going to keep them out of the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's ridiculous to even think about that at this point since they're four and four, but 
even if they won 10 games in the SEC, that loss to Charleston Southern is just going to tank their chances. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they would literally, it would be interesting to see the analytics on how many games they will have to win to make up for that loss in SEC play, but I'm guessing it would literally have to be like three or four wins into SEC play alone to make up for how bad that loss is, like in the minds of the uh, whoever's making the NCAA tournament selections. The selection committee, I think they're called. That would be what I was looking Obviously, for. Obviously, there's no quadrant five, but a home loss to a 300 Ken Palm team. It's as is, bad as it gets. It literally is. Yeah. Like there's as as I, there's not very five. many like worse losses than what they just did. Like other than maybe getting blown out by this team, there's nothing worse yeah. that you could possibly do. Um, I think they're going to lose to Temple. I think it's tough to win on the road. I think Temple is decent. Uh, Temple came into Columbia and beat them last year. So I think we're looking at a four-game losing streak. I think they're going to be under 500 uh, for the first time in a while. This is a game I thought Mizzou would lose even before the season started. Yeah. I just was. This is a tough game. Temple's a good team. I uh, think I picked them to win this one, but... Man, how expectations change yeah. in a couple of weeks. So I hope they, obviously I want them to win. I hope they perform well. Uh, obviously, I still believe in Conzo Martin. There's people out there that are uh, questioning his job security, which is a little bit extreme. But uh, I think you can question the makeup of this roster that he's assembled and their ability to field a anything close to a competitive offense i think that's worth questioning you ready to move on i guess so there will be better days ahead can't get worse (laughs) i take it back every time i say that somehow something happens so i'd say yeah we shouldn't say that until until the coach in football is decided on and missouri basketball wins another game okay deal (laughs) uh let's see here college football playoff draft we did that a while back and it's coming close to its conclusion um you told me cameron there was one uh team let me look here you no longer have penn state or you do i forget i traded for them okay gotcha so So we are up to date here yeah so my four teams that I think have a chance to be in the college football playoff are LSU, Clemson, Baylor, and Minnesota. Kyle has Georgia, Utah, Alabama, and Oregon. Producer Cameron has Ohio State, Oklahoma, Florida, and Penn State. So I've still got two in the top four. It looks pretty solid. Huge matchup in the SEC championship between my LSU Tigers and Kyle's Georgia Bulldogs. And then producer Cameron has the number one team in the country, Ohio State, who looks like they're just going to roll through the Big Ten. But we'll see what uh, Wisconsin has to say about that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I have first option to change out one of my teams should I want to. It's not me. I think it's me. And I'm changing out Minnesota for Wisconsin. If Ohio State handily beats Wisconsin... Do you think Penn State jumps them in the rankings? Uh, I don't even know. The <laughs> honestly, the select the playoff committee has been so weird with what they've done mm-hmm. to teams that that like lose a game. Like Alabama dropped seven spots after they lost to Auburn. 
probably because and Auburn went up four, so they probably just had to figure out a way. They're like, oh, we got to make. I guess Auburn yeah. Auburn ahead of them, so they're like, well, guess we got to do this. Yeah, even though it doesn't, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, I don't think Alabama is the twelfth best team in no. the country. I mean, Florida's ranked ninth. Are they without? Yeah. Two? Well, with yeah, maybe so, but I know that's not how. I mean, they if they scored were, like forty-five points without Tua, that's true. And if they were, uh, if they had won that game, I mean, the selection committee's not going. Well, they don't have Tua, so we better drop them down a couple spots. True. Yeah, I guess. I mean, my best shot to have a decent average ranking is to just go with Wisconsin and because there's no way I mean Minnesota's ranked 18th right now no I mean not, I could go for come back I could try to get I guess I could pick up no there's really nobody else I'm going with Wisconsin Kyle anybody uh, on this list that you like maybe to trade out your Oregon Ducks mm, nope no I don't think so either I would agree thank you Pretty so, scary. well, Utah and Oregon play each other, so that could be good or bad for you, or bad either way. Sounds like a real stalemate. <laughs> 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 wow. I mean, if we wanted to like clip out the best analysis that we've had this entire episode is probably that statement from producer Cameron. Thank you. Thanks, Cam. Um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just uh, stick with it. Okay. Also, Oklahoma and Baylor play. Go Baylor. Go Sooners. <laughs> you said it, not yeah, me. Yeah, I know. Never said that before. Uh, you were. Uh, we were remembering back to the beginning of this exercise. Um, yeah, let me pull that up. The fact that Kyle had Texas in his <laughs> original draft. Kyle, how do you feel about the fact that the Texas Longhorns? You really thought they were. I mean, I remember you being passionate about the fact that Texas was going to win the big 12. And I think that is a slight exaggeration about me being passionate about the, them winning it. Oh, um, okay. I think I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas is really good this year. Um, then they sucked and I was really totally fine with that. <laughs> and that's really all, all it is on that. Okay. Kevin, you definitely have the best. Your initial picks were definitely the best. Oh. Cause you had Clemson LSU Michigan and Notre Dame, who are 14 and 15. There you go. Congrats. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think, I don't know how you want to do this with the SEC pick and plus Nebraska. Uh, there's obviously no more Nebraska <laughs> no, to no pick. No more plus Nebraska. <laughs> uh, scratch them off. And uh, there's no. There's only one more SEC game. Last year, uh, producer Cameron tried to bend the rules to get Kyle back into this competition. Probably still didn't even work. It, it did not yeah. work. No. Do you have anything up your sleeve this time? Uh, I'm after the regular season is over. I have a 10 point lead on Kyle. Uh, thanks in part to last week, I picked Mississippi State and an Ole Miss player uh, pretended to whiz on the field <laughs> <laughs> like a dog. That was a. Uh... What's his face? Elijah. Yeah. Whatever. They're really good. Like the only good Ole Miss receiver. Uh, yeah, he did that, and so Mississippi State won. That gave me a point, and then I picked Auburn because I'm really good at picking games, and they beat 
Alabama to give me a bonus point. Wow, you're amazing. <laughs> so now <laughs> the score is Cameron, 75, Kyle, 65. And we'll probably pick the playoff games as well, but we'll pick Georgia versus LSU to start with. I think that I think the playoff games were my bonus oh, okay. last year. Because this technically is an SEC matchup. Yes. So Georgia versus LSU, I think they play in Atlanta. And LSU is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think this is going to be an awesome game. Um, <clears throat> I think I'm going to pick Georgia. That's great. I wanted to pick LSU. Great. I think Georgia's probably the best defense LSU will play this year. I think LSU's the best offense Georgia's going to play this year. Okay. How about that? That I can agree with. Sounds like a stalemate. What about Missouri, though? They played Missouri. Georgia did? Yeah. I don't remember it. Okay, Mm. maybe not. (laughs) All right. Any any last parting words for the folks before uh, we we tell them where they can find us and uh Just go off into the coaching search abyss yeah together. i don't know it's it's been a it's been a couple weeks so appreciate you guys listening uh sticking with us because these are some dark times i might have said this exact same thing last week i don't mem- i can't remember producer cameron dropped his phone um, i was having a moment <laughs> kyle lane kiffin is gonna roll 50 fire trucks into town the, into the town in your brain and put out all those fires i would feel so nice and they're all gonna look like the one that drives around the field all those that fire truck yeah, yes truman will be there's gonna be a truman oh, riding yeah. on every one of them oh man i can't 50 wait Trumans. 50 trumans 50 <laughs> trucks i got a piece of my brain it's just miserable and right. then there there you'll be in the window of one of those buildings shirtless with a with a uh m written on your chest just like the, the students at the football game and they're just gonna spray you down and the buildings that are on fire they're going to spray those down. They'll be rebuilt. They'll be rebuilt. He's bringing in a construction crew. And, I mean, life will be good. That just made me feel amazing. Thanks, Cam. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank Lane Kiffin. Oh, okay. Thank <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lane. Cool. All right. Well, this has been fun. Uh, you can find this podcast and all of our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We are on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week with a new coach. <laughs>